almost 10, 10 and a half million actually. And uh, we're doing right now the province of Alberta, which is our Texas of Canada. That's where our beef comes from. The wide open plains, riding on horseback, all of that kind of stuff. And then we move to our bilingual provinces, Quebec and New Brunswick. Not everybody in Canada speaks French. We have to learn uh, two years of French in grades seven and eight in school. So I can parler vous français and pour français. Uh, I can tell you a little bit, but that's about it. I can ask you uh, what time it is, uh, where's the restroom, and what's for supper. Uh, the most important questions of life in French. So that's about it. So it's good to have you here, eh? And uh, be a part of our service. It's cold outside. We did that on purpose so that you could uh, have the whole Canadian experience this morning. We'll have ice skating in the nursery after the service. So if you want to get on there, try that. That'd be fun. And uh, I'd invite you to come and be a part of our great nation. How many of you have been to Canada? Raise your hand high in the air. All right. If you've been anywhere besides Niagara Falls, keep your hand up. All right. Oh, good, good. Most people go to Niagara Falls and quit. Don't quit. Um, that's just the beginning of some great things. You saw the uh, CN Tower in uh, the city shot there. That's Toronto. There are five million people in Toronto. It is the fourth largest city in North America. The 401 Highway, there's now a TV show about it, the 401 Truckers. Um, there are 400,000 cars a day travel on the 401 highway. It's one of the busiest highways, if not the busiest highway in North America. So a lot of great things going on in Canada. We have maple syrup, we have hockey, we have um, Bearing Precious Sea Canada, the most important thing. So come and be a part. We'd love to have you come. Your dollar right now is worth about 30% more than ours. So $1 US is $1.30 Canadian. So you're going to get some great deals. The only thing is you have to be vaccinated across the border. If you're not vaccinated, they won't let you in. So uh, we're working on that. Hopefully get that drop soon and get our countries going back and forth together again. We love America. Uh, U.S. has been a great help to us in Canada. Uh, over 90% of our pastors in Canada are from the United States and uh, have built some great works there. So we praise the Lord for that. And um, my wife is from the United States. My kids have dual citizenship. I worked here for five years. So I have a great affinity for America. So thank you for your help, and God bless you for that. Turn your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. I mentioned this morning that um, I take trips to Israel, and I would love for you to come along with us. And uh, we go every February. It gets us out of the winter. It's nicer there in Israel. It's more of a fall-type season for us. And uh, so... Uh, warm jacket or a, a hoodie would do it, and uh, I would like to invite you to come. I would like to uh, talk to maybe um, the deacons, if there's a deacon here. I'd like for your pastor to go, and I want to show you how you can do that and uh, get him there and uh, allow him to experience that. It's a tremendous help to a pastor to be able to go. It's a tremendous blessing for a pastor and his people to go. I would love for you and pastor, your pastors to uh, pray with you in the Garden of Gethsemane right there on the Mount of Olives. It is a tremendous experience, and it'll bond you. It'll be a trip of a lifetime, I promise you. I'll be leaving some information with Pastor, and he can get that to you, but I'd love to invite you to come and be a part of that. In uh, January 31st to February 10th is next year, and then 14th to 24th, we have two trips going. Limited space, we already have a number of people signed up, so if you'd like to go, sign up. There's no cost for signing up. Get your name on the list and hold it. If you back out, there's no penalty, but I want you to get your name on the list if you're even thinking about going, you can go to alstone.ca, alstone.ca, all the information's there, and you can get that and come along with us. Second Timothy chapter 1, I want to continue on with that thought from this morning of productive missions. Productive missions is personal. I want to give you this thought, that personal participation makes missions productive. 
participation. I want to show you that productive missions is personal and that through a personal participation, we find a satisfaction and a joy that not much else brings in this life. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 2 to 5 with me. It says this, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warth entangle himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who had chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. Paul had a hand in bringing to fruition the faith and prayers of Timothy's mother and grandmother. A stranger from another country traveled to them and led them to Christ. I believe we call that a missionary. A missionary. And all of us have a personal participation in seeing that happen globally if we participate in a missions program. The money that you give, the prayers that you offer up, the emails or videos that you send to a missionary are all part of a participation that helps the cause of Christ go forth in other parts of the world. In support of the Canadian Gospel Project, you're helping Canadians get the gospel. Again, we're the second largest landmass in the world. We're 6,000 miles from border to border. It's a massive country. I can start driving in my city of St. Thomas and drive 36 hours north and still be in the same province. If I get in my car and drive 36 hours south, I'm in Key West. It's that big. It's that big. And there are people in most of that region. Uh, there are people four hours north of the Arctic Circle in Canada. Tuk to Yuk Tuk is the last road, uh, the end of the road in uh, the Northwest Territories. That is four hours north of the Arctic Circle. And there is one last community, another two hours north of that, where people dwell in Canada. And we're trying to reach them. Uh, for me to go there, to drive there, to fly there, very, very expensive. For 40 cents, we can produce a mail that John and Romans to that and have mailed to those regions and given them the gospel. So you can have a participation in those things and should. Please get this. Your understanding of the need of missions will be directly proportional to your personal involvement in the support of missions. I'm going to say that again because it's important. Your understanding of the need of missions will be directly proportional to your personal involvement in the support of missions. Dr. Dale Atkins, who pastored the Mansfield Baptist Temple for a number of years, came to our church and said this, and it stayed with me ever since. He said this. He said, if you think that there is a great need in missions, you'll give a great amount. If you think there's some need to missions, you'll give some. And if you don't think there's much need, you probably won't give very much. If you think, well, missions is nice, but, you know, things are kind of tight, you're not going to give a lot. If you see a video like this this morning in an inspiration, you think, yeah, Canada, our neighbor next door, we don't really know a lot about it, but there are people that need the gospel. I'll give some towards that. But if you think there's a great need, if your heart is heavy laden for a nation, for a people, maybe it's the country you came from, maybe you have friends or family there, you'll probably give a great deal. It's directly proportional to your understanding of the need of that nation. The first thought many of you just had was, I give to missions financially, financially. 
But I have to tell you, that's not the most that we can do. That's the least that we can do. That's the easiest thing to do. To go online and give online, to write a check, to drop some money in offering. But that's the easiest thing. There's no time commitment. There's no real involvement. We'll just give some money. Listen, and that's great, and that's why we have missions conferences, and I want to encourage you to do that and do the more. But that's the least we can do. What are some things that we can do to help in the cause of missions? Let me show you now that productive missions is personal and involves a personal participation. It begins with, number one, a personal permission. Personal permission. When you allow the Holy Spirit to move upon your heart, He will. He will. Most of us have guarded our hearts against the Holy Spirit moving in our hearts about missions. Most parents will say to their kids, we have a mom and daughter right up here in the front row. Most parents will say, oh God, use my child, but make sure it's within five miles of me. We were talking about grandkids this morning, 11 grandchildren. All my grandkids live, I have three grandkids, they all live within eight minutes of me. It's awesome. All three of my kids, eight minutes of me. It's awesome. And I pray this, Lord, I love my grandkids and I want you to use them, but I think they'd better serve in Canada than Peru. Right? I don't want to put them on a plane and watch them fly away and see my grandkids grow up on FaceTime or on a video somewhere. But, but if that's what God calls, if that's what God needs, how about I pick up and go with them? If I have the availability to do that, if I, if I can retire and maybe I've got a little money and in, in a lot of countries a lot cheaper to live than it is here, and go over and spend some time with them, spend six months out of the year, whatever you can do. Do something. And there are people all over this world that would just love to have somebody participate with them. You know what it's like to be lonely, don't you? We've all been lonely. I started traveling in evangelism three years ago and COVID hit right when I started. So I got over the border and you had to test to go back and forth and all that other kind of stuff. And it was about $160 to do the test and it was getting expensive. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to come over and I'm going to stay. And I was here for about 200 days. My wife came over and was able to stay with me for about three weeks of those 200 days. I want to tell you, I've never been so lonely in all my life. I miss my kids and my grandkids so bad. I thought, this is what it's like to be on a mission field. You long for that family. You long for that contact. I long to be home. Country's my home. Canada's my home. I want to be home. And we have people that leave that and go serve the Lord in another place, and that does become their home, but there's just something. The Bible talks about, you know, getting something from home, that letter from home, that package from home. Some of you went to college. Some of you were in the armed forces. And, and, and a package came, and mom sent you some cookies. Man, they're just nothing like cookies from home. My cookies from home are Oreos. My mom worked when I was growing up. She didn't, she didn't bake a lot, but man, we got a lot of Oreos. I love Oreos. My wife loves soft cookies. I like crunchy cookies. If they don't crunch, they're not real cookies because crunchy cookies come from the store. Soft cookies come from home. So you got those cookies. There's a personal permission that needs to be had for the Holy Spirit to work in your life so that you can understand that personal participation. I've said this, Pastor, and, and, and uh, you, you'll understand this, that preaching in the 70s and 80s and 90s and into 2000s, man, we had some great preaching. We had some hard preaching. And, and we had churches, and man, we preached hard. You gotta know the book, you gotta look right, you gotta sound right, you gotta go right, you gotta do right, and man, we laid it down. But you know what we didn't do a lot of times? 
we didn't tell people that in order to do that right, you have to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit of God. And man, we look good and we sounded good, but once we got out of our element, once we got away from the safeguard of, of church or the house, we struggled because the Holy Spirit relationship just wasn't what it should have been. And I'm telling you that if we don't as churches get back to finding that relationship and building and flourishing that relationship of the Holy Spirit of God, we are in serious trouble in our nations. We're in serious trouble in our missions programs. If you open your heart to the Holy Spirit, he will answer, I promise you. And here's what some of us need to do this morning. Some of us need to come to an old-fashioned altar and call and say, God, I'm open to soul winning. I'm open to personal evangelism. I'm open to telling other people of Jesus Christ. As I said, we need to pray for boldness. It wouldn't hurt for every one of us to come to this altar this morning and say, God, I need more boldness. I just need to be able to get in people's faces and say, listen, you need Jesus, and I know how to introduce you to him. But we also need to come say, God, if you want to use me on a mission field, I'm available. When I preach to young people, and I've had the privilege of preaching to a lot of young people, I figured one time I preached to around 50,000 young people in my life. And I tell them this, every one of them, you need to come at some point in your life and just say, God, I am available. You don't have to say, God, I'll go to a mission field. You don't have to say, God, I'll be a preacher. You don't have to say, God, I'll pick up my life and change it. All you've got to say is, God, I'm available. And let God know that. And if you'll open your heart to that, God will put you in a perfect scenario, in a perfect place for you. I've never had a missionary come home from the field and say, man, I hated that. Oh, man, don't ever ask me to do that again. Whoo, that was terrible. I've had some pastors tell me that, but I've never had missionaries tell me that. I never have. I've never heard one say, I hated it. They say, oh man, I long go back. I miss those days. That, that, was, that was the life. God prepares you for those things. We need a major revival. Or our country and all countries will be short of preachers. Before you say the Holy Spirit has never called me, let me ask you, have you ever invited him to do so? At the conclusion of this service, I'll give you that opportunity. He will not call all. But you'll never know if he'll call you till you offer. He might say to you, you know what? Stay where you're at. Stay right, stay right there. Keep praying for your preacher. Keep supporting this church. Be faithful church members. Turn the lights off at the end of the service. Lock the doors up. Talk to some nice kids. Start a bus route. Whatever he tells you. But you'll never know if you don't give him the opportunity. Then I'd ask, have you asked the Holy Spirit what he'd have you give to missions. How, how much are you going to give to missions this year? Have you discussed that at all? As a husband and wife, do you discuss that? My wife and I sit down and say, what do you think we should do? And we'd do this. We'd say, well, let's pray about a number. And whoever has the higher number, that's what we'll do. In a lot of years, the number will be exactly the same. And we got to a place, and I, I don't say this in any, in any fashion other than to tell you what the Lord's done. We've gotten to a place where our missions giving is triple or almost four times what we give in our tithe. I endeavored as a pastor to be the, the, at least in the top five best givers in our church. And by the grace of God, I'm still there. Because I know the need of missions. I know what it does. I know what needs to be done in this world. And we love to give towards it. Part of that is because I've gone to the mission field. I've seen what needs to be done. I've seen the thirsting of some people. I'll tell you, I went to the Philippines, and it's a long flight. I'll tell you, it's a crazy flight. But I got there. Folks, I got up and preached. And I'm not, I'm not a great preacher. I got up and preached, and 200 people came down the aisle. 250 people came down the aisle and got saved in one service. 
They're thirsting for the gospel. When I went there, they had, I think they had right then, about 500 independent Baptist churches. This is a number of years ago. They now have over 5,000 independent Baptist churches in the Philippines. It's exploding. So exciting. We come to church here and we go through the motions and we sit in our pew and we hear the message and we go out again. I went to Haiti three times. Sat in the dark in a church crammed full of people sitting on hard wooden benches that we'd never sit on. And, and, and they sit in the dark because they turn the, we call it hydro in Canada, they turn the hydro off, they turn the electricity off in parts of the city because they can't afford to do the whole city at one time. We'd sit in church and the preacher would get up and preach and man, they'd be standing up and shouting and praising God. They all say amen together. It's really an amazing thing. Uh, we'd say, Jesus saves. And they say, amen, with the uh, Creole. Amen, amen. And they go like this, they go, amen. It's, it's a really neat thing. Let's try it together, all right? So you're going to go, amen, okay? We'll say amen, all right? We'll try it that way. Here we go, amen. Come on now. I mean, they're in church. I mean, they love Jesus. I mean, they live in a garbage dump. Children drink water that comes down the hill from being washed, wash a donkey, wash a car. Someone goes to the bathroom on the street, and a kid takes a cup and drinks it. They come to church because they love Jesus. They come to church because that's heaven on earth. I mean, they know the gospel. They know the word of God. They live to go to church. And we have it all. And we can't hardly get a spark. Let's try it one more time. We love Jesus. We got the greatest church in the world. God is good. Jesus is coming. Amen. That's better. Shouldn't it be that way every service? Man, we got it. And, and, and when we go to countries like that and see people like that, and I, I've been to Israel and seen the need there, and I've been to Scotland, and I've been to Greece, and I've been to France, and I, I've been able to travel many, many places, see the need of the Lord in many places. And I come home and I'm burdened, and, 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 and you know as a missionary, you, you can't really convey to people what it is that, that you want them to see and hear. I show you a little video and try to pour my heart out, but you just don't know the burden I've got for my nation until you go and see it for yourself. The question is not, should I give? Or how much can I give? Do I have to give? The question is, what has the Holy Spirit of God directed me to give? That should have already been a conversation before this missions conference. Lord, what are you going to have me to do? How much are you going to have me give financially? How much can I give physically? How much time can I give? I've got, you know, some guys work 30, 40 years. They get five, six years of vacation. Hey, listen, Florida's nice, but how about going to some other part of the world for a week or two and saying, hey, I'm here to help. I'm here to pass out some flyers. I'll pass out some tracks. I don't speak the language, but I can pass out the word of God. If you give me somebody that can interpret for me, I'll be glad to tell people about Jesus. And I'll tell you, when you go to those countries and they want it and they take it and they're thronging for it, it's exciting. You go, you go to Canada and say, hey, I, I got the word of God. And people are like, yeah, so? I got three Bibles on my coffee table. I've never read them, but I got them. Hey, I've got the Bible, church. And those other nations are thronging to get it because they don't have what we've got. We've been spoiled rotten. Then we see the need for personal prayer. Would you go with me to Philemon? Philemon. 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 Verses 1 to 6. Just over a few pages. Philemon. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer, and to our beloved Aphia, our Chipkas, our fellow soldier, 
and to the church in thy house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee brother. Wow. Wow. Do you think Paul understood that the church that met in Philemon's house had been praying for him? You think he got that? He said, hearing of their love and faith toward Christ and all saints. And he was including himself. I think he knew right well that there were some people that were saying, listen, Paul's in prison. Paul's having a tough time. Paul needs our prayers. And he could feel that. And if you ever get sick and go to the hospital, how many of you have been in an extended hospital stay? Anybody? Brother Mark, I know you know this. You knew when people were praying for you, didn't you? You knew. There were people all across America. We were praying in Canada. When we heard the word, we were praying, God, deliver him. God, lift him up. We need men of God like that. You can feel it. You others, you know what I'm talking about. I had blood clots. I had one blood clot the first go around, had it right in my lungs. And I didn't realize how serious it was. I'm laughing about it, carrying on. If that blood clot had moved from my lungs into my heart, massive heart attack. If it went past my heart and into my head, I'm a vegetable. And you're all thinking, well, right, went right to your head, didn't it? <laughs> then I had 12 blood clots. The second go-round. I'm in the hospital. I'm laughing and carrying on. So let my church people come in and see me. I want to see people. I don't want to lay here all day. Man, I got exhausted. I got, I got feeling terrible. And the nurse said, you're getting no more visitors. You don't understand this. She said, you don't understand. You could die from this. And when I realized the seriousness of it, I said, would you ask people to pray? I could tell people were praying. I think Paul knew these people were praying. He has some friends, he has some people that understood, they were concerned, and today what's great is, folks, you can get on uh, Facebook, you can get on Instagram, you can get on Twitter, you can get on all these things, and you can see exactly how your missionaries are doing. And you can FaceTime them, work out the time, don't get them out of bed at 2 or 3 in the morning, work out the time difference, but um, get on there and say, hey, listen, you don't know us, but I want you to know we're praying for you, and here's my kids, and we're praying for you, and they can say, here's our kids, and we're praying for you. And get to know them. What do you need? How's it going? You know what most of them are going to say? Can, can I tell you why most people come off the field, the mission field? Can I tell you why, why a lot of guys leave Canada? Loneliness. Loneliness. You go to Canada and you get out in the western provinces and there may not be another church within four or five hours of you. And those poor ladies come up and they're away from home and they're away from their mom and dad and they're away from their brothers and sisters and they come out there and there's nobody for game night on Friday night and there's no ladies luncheon on Tuesdays and none of those things and they get so lonely they can't hardly stand it and they end up coming off the field. If somebody had just gone, if somebody had just called, if somebody had taken an active role, personal prayer. If you've ever needed prayer, you know when people are praying for you. What better way to make your missions program personal than really getting to know them and praying for them? Not just a little card. I handed out those cards this morning. I want you to take that, and I want you to look at it, and I want you to pray for us. But I'll tell you what. Call me sometime. Send me an email sometime. Come and visit sometime. Put your hand to putting those John and Romans together. We'd love for you to do that so that you know 
And then finally, personal participation comes by personal provision. If God's not called you personally to go, I believe he has called us to pray and to provide financially so that others can. The definitive passage is 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We hear it in almost every missions conference. We should because it really is. It really is God's plan for giving. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verses 1 to 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 6 say this, Moreover, brethren, we do you the weight of grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. Let me stop there for just a second and say we've seen some horrific things coming out of the Ukraine. But have you seen the pictures of little children playing with their little toys? Have you seen that? That mom's over there and she's trying to figure out how in the world she's going to provide for those kids and she's trying to get them something to eat and there's some warm clothes over here and the kids are over there playing. These people, in a great hardship, in a great, in a great difficulty, had a joy about them. Why? For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. That's key. Nobody forced them. Nobody guilted them. Nobody pressured them. Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave what? Their own selves to the Lord. We just talked about that. And unto us by the will of God. That's the Holy Spirit's intervention there. Insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith, and utterance, and knowledge, and in all diligence, and in, thy, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. It was this passage that the founder of Faith Promise Offerings drew his plan. His name was Dr. Oswald J. Smith. Do you know where he was from? He was from Canada. All good things come from Canada. Now listen. <laughs> Smith's emphasis on faith included his approach to financial giving. The faith promise offering, he felt that most Christians would respond to a promise between themselves and God. They would be asked to make it in a complete dependency that God would undertake. He was known for saying, cash isn't needed. In dependence upon God, I will endeavor to give. No one will ask you for it. It's between you and God. Then he would call to sing, step out in faith. As the money envelopes poured in with financial gifts, sacrificial giving was encouraged as well as early habits of giving something regularly, no matter how small. Dr. Smith said no one has the right to hear the gospel twice while there remains someone who has not heard it once. Wow. There are people in this world that still have not heard the gospel. There are people in Arab nations who have never heard the gospel. There are people in that 1040 window who have never heard the gospel. Folks, there are people in this country who have never heard the gospel. Maybe they grew up here, but many of them immigrated here. The greater concern is not how to give. It's that you give that matters. Beyond the tithe and a gift of the heart that others may hear what you have heard, faith promise missions works, I tell you, by experience. Again, the need of missions is directly proportional to what you give to missions. No need, nothing given. Little need, little given. Much need, much given.
In your mind, what is the need of home and world missions right now? Can I tell you from my experience, there is great need. There is great need. I will tell you by your giving to the missions program of your church, and I will tell you as well by your personal involvement in the leading of the loss of Christ, the prayer you offer up on behalf of those who serve as missionaries. Productive missions is personal. How personally do you take it? This morning, when's the last time you told someone about Jesus Christ? And when's the last time you said, Holy Spirit of God, we have so much. Oh, listen, I, I'm like you. Just when you think you're getting ahead, gas goes up to $4, $6, $8 a gallon. Just when you think you're getting, a, getting ahead, a new tax is introduced. Just when you think you're getting ahead, the car breaks down. Here's what I've learned. I can do without some things so that others can have the hope of eternal life. Because isn't that what really we're all about? Isn't that what Christianity is all about? Isn't that what this church service is all about? People hearing the gospel and taking the gospel to others. Let's make it personal. Father, thank you again for this time this morning to meet in this place with these great folks. What a good spirit. And Father, what a great opportunity this morning to do something greater in this community and around the world. God, I pray today that you would move upon all of us, but at least some of us, to maybe step out in that old-fashioned altar call sense and come to this altar and say, God, I'm available. God, what do you want me to give? God, I am ready to surrender. God, I need to see people in a different light. God, help us today to make missions more personal. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed this morning. Let me ask you just a few things so that I might know the spiritual condition of your church. How many this morning will say, Pastor, I am a Christian. I'm born again. I know Christ unashamedly. I let you know that. Would you slip your hand up and hold it all over the side of the and say, I'm born again. Hold it for just a moment, would you please? God bless you. Amen. Thank you so much. You can put your hands down. Almost every hand was raised. Almost every hand. There were some that weren't, and so that would concern me, and I would say this. We've been talking about missions today, and could we make this our missions call to you today, that if you don't know Jesus, would you come and find Jesus as your Savior today? Would you do that? We'll give you opportunity. We'll not embarrass you. We'll not, we'll not center you up, but we'd love for somebody to take a Bible and show you how to be saved. If you brought someone today and they're not saved, would you come with them and help them and find Jesus? How many today say, Preacher, I'm an active soul winner. I'm adamantly involved in uh, soul winning. And, and I've talked to people this week and, and, and I talk to people all the time about the things of the Lord. And, and I would say that I'm an active soul winner. Would you hold your hand high in the air this morning and say, that's me. That's me. Amen. Amen. If you didn't, could I ask you this morning, would you start today? Would you get that burden today? Would you look at people that are passing by you and see them dying and going to hell forever and ever and ever and ever and ever? Because they will. If you don't tell them. Don't tell me you're too old. Don't tell me you're too young. Don't tell me you're too shy. Don't tell me you're too backward. Because God will use anybody. How many say today, preacher, my heart's been touched today. And, and I see a need for missions and a new light. I see need for soul winning and a new light. God has touched my heart today, and I need to make some kind of decision for the Lord today. Would you slip your hand up and hold it for just a moment and say, that's me. 
That's me. Amen. God bless you. If you don't feel that need today, then I'm going to ask you to ask the Lord, why not? Why not? Why don't I feel that burden? Why don't I feel that urgency? Because, folks, there's no question, this world is in turmoil. This world's a mess. And what they need is not a vaccination. They don't need a ceasefire. They need Jesus. Would you stand to your feet, please? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Christians are praying. The piano's going to begin to play. I don't know what your usual practice is, but would you step out today and come? Would you come to this altar today and say, just say, God, I'm available. God, I'm available. That's, that's all you got to say. Would you say this, God, give me boldness. Give me boldness. See, we're not, we're not used to doing that. When, then would you do this? Would you pray where you're at right now? And when you're done praying today, would you be seated? I've done this many times through COVID. It's worked really well. You go ahead and be seated when you're done praying. And when a good number of people are, are seated, I'll have pastor come and close the service. I love to come forward. I love to come to the altar. I remember the days when they're packed. I remember when we'd see just huge lines of people praying. God was doing some great things. That's not the only answer. But today, would you say those things? Lord, I'm available, number one. God, give me boldness. God, what would you have me give to missions? Ask him those three things. And when he's given you an answer, would you go ahead and be seated? Would you surrender all? Some are being seated. You be seated when you're done praying. Others are being seated. continues to play.